Come on. Thank you, Jesus. So good. So good. So many miracles, so many testimonies going on. You know, we have to make sure we, we continue just to, you know, one of the things I love about, about Joshua, Joshua Mills, you know, is, you know, the, the gold dust and the glory and all of these kinds of signs and wonders things have been happening in massive phenomenal amounts for more than a decade, you know, but still just the slightest little miracle and he celebrates it and, and it's important for us to celebrate what God is doing, Right. You know, I was just thinking during worship tonight, I was thinking about breakthrough, and I'm actually going to preach tonight what I was going to preach last week, slightly edited and added to, and it's a little better probably than last week. But I was thinking about breakthrough just as I was, as I was worshiping tonight, and you know, every time, every time I get up here, whether it's up there or up to preach or whatever it might be, every time we come together to pray, I'm always looking for the breakthrough, right? To go further, to go deeper, to take ground in the spirit, right? To take ground because it's my conviction that that's what God has called us to do, right? Jesus said on this rock, that's himself, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? And we we have a very... You know, I love the joy in this place. I love that God chose to say, you know, in my presence, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. That's the word that he used to describe what it's like to be in his presence. Fullness of joy, right? And joy looks like something. Joy looks like something and it sounds like something. It sounds like laughing. It looks like jumping about. It looks like smiling, right? You know, I've said this before, but it takes a really, really religious mindset to think that joy is anything but joy. Yeah. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> my cold, cold heart. <laughs> it looks like something. Joy looks like something. But what I wanted to say was that, you know, if, you, if you're watching the media, if you're, if you're you know, re- reading things on Facebook or whatever, the world obviously is experiencing a lot of darkness, right? But God says, arise, shine, for your light has come, right? And the glory of the Lord is upon you. Arise, shine, church. Arise, shine. And so there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of stuff going on, right, which is the opposite spirit to what the church is called to be and to have in this in this hour but i said this last week i'm pretty sure my conviction always when it comes to things like warfare when it comes to things like addressing the world's issues is that the best defense is a good offense right the best defense that's very american i know right but the best defense is a good offense (laughs) the best defense is a good offense. In other words, if you're actually on the attack, right? If you're actually on the attack, you don't have to worry about defending. If you've got the ball and you're running with it, right? You don't have to worry about defending, right? So the best defense is actually a good offense, right? And so what it is that we have here 
in Australia, what the freedom that we have to actually jump about, to sing great songs, to laugh and be frivolous, is the very freedom that is trying to be stolen. So it would be easy for us to kind of think, oh, it's so so trivial us celebrating and partying when you know Christians are getting their heads cut off, right? And I could understand the temptation for that kind of thinking. But the reality is, is that what it is that they are stealing is this, right? And so the best defense is a good offense. Now, worship changes the atmosphere. Praise shifts the atmosphere. There's no two ways about it, right? And so what's the best defense that Australia can have? The local church like this, worshiping their guts out and celebration and joy. This is what it means to stand on the wall, right? And to worship, to worship. When they sent out the worshipers, you know, they didn't go out playing a dirge. Doom, doom, we're going to die, we're going to die. Doom, doom. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can see them all going out there and just eyes with his poise in their face, you know. We're coming back to the start. <laughs> Come alive. <laughs> so we owe it to our brothers and sisters getting their heads cut off to be worshipping with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength right? To be taking the freedom that we have to come into this place, turn the speakers up to 11 and go for it, right? Okay, let's try that again. We have the freedom just to go for it, right? Come on. If we're going to cheer, let's cheer. If we're going to clap, let's clap. Yeah. <laughs> now, sometimes we don't always feel like it. We don't always feel like it. You can have, be having a bad day. And this is what I was thinking about during worship, you know, because it's my absolute gritted teeth conviction every time I get up here. I'm going to take ground. If I'm worshipping, if I'm whatever I'm doing, I'm going to take ground. If I have to put my hand through that jambe, I'm going to take ground, right? And I was thinking about it. You know, I was faced, I was faced with an opportunity to do that. You know, most of you know that Jody had, you know, had, had suffered with illness for a long, long time. To the point that, you know, on a daily basis, you know, she could have died on a daily basis for years on end, right? And so here's me, I'm on the other end of that, a minister, right? Signs, wonders, miracles, seeing people get healed all, all around the world, but having my wife at 2 a.m., you know, with a temperature of 42, 43, shaking uncontrollably and throwing up night after night, right? And so I had an opportunity every single time 
to come and pray for Jody to make a decision what I was going to do, right? Pray for, pray for me. Of course I'm going to pray, right? But I had to make a decision every time that I prayed that God wants to heal her. God wants to heal her right now. And I'm full of the power of the Holy Spirit and anointing and faith. And I'm going to pray believing that this is the time she's going to be healed. Not thinking about the 2,000 other times I've already prayed and nothing has happened. This is the time. Being moved by what I believe and not what I see. And, you know, you, once you do that over and 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 over it starts to build a little bit of resilience and determination and spiritual fitness in you to not be moved by what you see, but to be moved by, by what you believe. And so I know that when we get up here and we worship, we are going to take ground in the spirit. We're going to get the breakthrough. I don't care how sick everybody is. I don't, don't care how m- terrible mood everybody is in. I'm going to get the breakthrough in this place because I know that I, like you, am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Right? But it's not just Christian platitudes. It's not just some religious kind of, you know, I just, oh, I believe in Jesus. You know, it's something that is forged in the fire. To still be standing, to still stand in the face of seeing the opposite. I love that that's what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, I am not moved by what I see, but only by what I believe. Right? So that's who we are. That's what God has called us to in this place. To take ground in the spirit. We're not mucking around. We're mucking around, but we're on purpose. It's intentional. Right? We're having fun. Hmm. All right. Please open up your Bibles to Second Kings chapter 4. I'm just going to quickly read through, if you can follow or not. I'm going to quickly read through the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman and his son. Are you ready? Two kings is just after one kings. (laughs) Two kings. It's like the start of a joke. Two kings walked into a bar. You'd think the second one would have seen it. Okay, here it goes. From verse 8, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. 
And it happened one day that he came there and he turned to the upper room and lay down. Then he said to Gehazi, let's just say that that's how you say it. Gehazi, Gehazi, Gesundheit. So you just said. That's ridiculous. Should have seen us in India. There's a picture of us both riding a motorbike when the headlights on, and one of the Indian guys says, "Why is there three headlights?" It's just like it's the reflection off our bald heads. For those who didn't get it, we weren't wearing helmets. <laughs> then he said to Gehazi, his servant, "Call the Shunammite woman." When he called her, she stood before him and he said to him, Say now to her, look, you've been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he called her, he stood in the doorway and then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. When he'd taken him and he brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. And she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey, said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came, Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. The mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and he followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came to the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in there, he went in therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and he lay on the child. He put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and he walked back and forth in the house. And again, he went up, stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. Gesundheit. 
And the child opened his eyes. And he called Gesundheit and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. When she came into him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, then picked up her son and went out. Cool story, huh? A little bit of dead raising in the OT, right? Isn't it cool? All right. Here's a quick few points on this whole story. Thank you, Jesus. Number one, she found favor with God, right? The Shunammite woman actually found favor with God by blessing and taking care of the man of God. Elisha, God's servant and mouthpiece. It reminded me, of course, of the verse, right? Honor a prophet, get a prophet's reward. You know, she had a pure agenda just to bless and honor God, right? She had a pure agenda. She wanted to feed him, give him a place to rest. And, of course, the the prophet here is the mouthpiece of God, is a representation of God, right? Jesus said, if you give a cup of water, you give it to me, right? So here's number one. She found favor with God. She had a pure agenda. Number two, these are just comments about the story and it'll develop as we go. Number two, she had no son. So Elisha prophesied that she would have one and she got the breakthrough, right? She had no son. Elisha prophesied it and she got the breakthrough. She got a son. Now, it would seem even in her skepticism and maybe unbelief, God still blessed her. Right? God still blessed her. She's like, oh, don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. You know, but God in all of his goodness and all of his kindness still just gave her a son anyway. This isn't a story of her at that point just being a mighty woman of faith. And because of your great faith, I will give you a son. She's actually almost the opposite. But she's honored God, right? She's honored God and she's sought to feed him. Number three, tragedy strikes. Her son dies. This is the promise of God. This is the promise of God. The breakthrough that had been given to her suddenly actually dies. Gets a headache. Like what Jody was just saying a little bit earlier. Sometimes the promise of God and the breakthrough can cause you a bit of a headache. Right? Sometimes it's actually a difficult situation that you need to go through and you need to press through in order to keep the breakthrough that you have. Right? So her breakthrough dies, her son dies in her arms. The promise of God, the very promise of God suddenly became a cause of pain for her. Interesting, huh? What she does now is extremely important. She didn't just lose hope, right? So you think about this woman. She has no son. The man of God prophesies over her. She gets a breakthrough. Suddenly she has this son. She has this beautiful child and then it dies in her arms. She loses her child. She didn't lose hope. She didn't leave the church. She didn't start an anti-Elisha website. (laughs) And Facebook page. (laughs) ElishaTheFalseProphet.com Right? (laughs) 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 but she laid her son on the bed of the man of god her place of offering 
right? The very place where what gave her the favor from God in the first place, right? By providing the man of God with a bed, right? And that's how she got the favor in the first place. She actually takes the son and she lays him on the bed, lays him on that place of offering, that place of memorial, really, to what she had done for the Lord. There's a sense in there that's just kind of of reminding God about his promise. This is the promise. This is the breakthrough that you have given me and lays him there on the bed, right? Then she jumps on her donkey and she ran hard after God without stopping. This is her response. The child of promise that she has, the breakthrough that comes, that then dies in her arms, right? She lays him on the place where, of the offering and the memorial to God, and she runs hard after God. And she says, do not slow down unless I tell you. Right? The man of God, Elisha, of course, is the representation of God, right? She's running to God as fast as she can. Huh. Number four, she didn't start telling everyone that the prophet was a false prophet. She didn't revel in her suffering. She didn't put it on Facebook and tell ears that would give her sympathy, right? And tell her um, that she's been hanging out with the wrong people and went to the wrong conference. And this is why you've lost this baby. And, but she actually uses wisdom, right? And who she even tells that her son has died, Right? The problem that she's having with the breakthrough rather than just kind of spout it to everybody and it would be easier to just kind of walk out in the street and kind of oh woe is me woe is me it's all kind of do you know what I mean now I'm not talking about telling friends and things like that that are going to be able to support you I'm talking about just not kind of all of a sudden oh here's an opportunity for me to get some sympathy here's an opportunity for you know for me to get some attention right and cast her pearls before swine, right? Before all of those people that are just going to turn around and tell her, wow, you should never have had Elisha in your house, right? He, he believes in miracles and signs and wonders and he does weird things with God and he's a false prophet and you've brought this on yourself and you need to stop hanging around with those people or that church, or, right? This is the real stuff. This is what happens, right? Instead of doing all of that, she just says, it is well. It is well. She lays the boy on the bed and she runs off hard after God on a donkey. (laughs) I so wish that this story had said she got off her donkey and ran. That would have given me lots of opportunity to go somewhere else. All right. But it didn't. She got on her donkey and ran after God. (laughs) It's just slowly working its way through. All right. So she used wisdom. She ran to the man of God. And when she got to the man of God, she bared all her emotions in pain, right? So it's not that she wasn't pretending. I'm not talking about denying that there's any pain or any issue or anything else, any struggle going on in our lives. I'm talking about using wisdom with where we share the struggle and the pain, right? So she actually tells the people when she leaves, it leaves it as well. Even Gehazi, Gehazi, Gesundheit, Gehazi, 
Right? Gehazi. <laughs> she doesn't even tell him. She says, it, it is well. This is not a word of faith message, right? This is not, I'm not talking about denying that there was a problem or anything else. I'm talking about using wisdom and where you share the pain and the suffering and the, the breakthrough, right? So she takes it and she gets to the man of God and then she falls at his feet, basically, and bears her pain and emotion. She runs to God and tells him, God, this really hurts. This really hurts, right? And then... She says this, so Elisha sends Gehazi to go with the staff, right? Go put it on his face, right? But she says to Elisha, she says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I'm hanging on to you, God, no matter what the cost, I'm staying with you. So the heart of the man of God is moved by that. And, she, and he turns around and says, okay, let's go. I'll come with you. I'll come with you and we'll go back and we'll take care of your son, right? She moves the heart of God and he goes back with her. This is number five. <laughs> I see all of you taking notes. <laughs> Once again, number five, once again, she finds favor with God's man and therefore with God, right? Number six, they do not quit. Now, Elisha, the man of God here, has this, what would seem to be a word of knowledge or a prophetic direction from the Lord and says, take my staff, put it on his face, right? And you're expecting that that's going to be the case. But guess what? Nothing happens. He does it, he obeys it, he puts it on his face, nothing happens. Another chance for her to quit. Another chance for her to go, well, I've got the breakthrough, the son died, now you've done this, and now you've put the staff on the face, and it still doesn't work. And then she could have fallen into despair, started her anti-Elisha website, etc., etc., right? And seriously, who has time in their life to start these big, long, anti-somebody websites? My gosh. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so the first time it doesn't work. Then Elisha goes in and he stretches out on, on him. He puts his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. He's lying right on top of him, which is just what Smith Wigglesworth used to do, Right? And it says that his flesh got warm, but he still was dead. Still, this is Elisha, right? Double portion anointing from Elijah. And still the boy is dead. The promise is dead. The breakthrough still has not come, right? But they still don't quit. They still don't quit. And he walks around the room and he prays in tongues, right? He builds himself up a bit more in the faith and he gets right back on the bed again. And then the boy is waking. He is raised from the dead. And I love it. I love it after this, of course, because the mum's not in there. He's just in there with Gehazi, right? And it's like he just turns and he's like, woman, you know, pick up your son. He is alive. <laughs> right? I don't know. Did you not see that? Did you not? 
It's kind of like the scene from a Mexican movie. It's tumbleweed. <laughs> woman. <laughs> it's just, it's just call, call her in. Call the Shunammite woman. Woman, pick up your son. <laughs> I, I know. Things that go on in my head. One of our deacons. It's <clears throat> it. It's doing a great job. So what does she do? So he says, woman, pick up your son. The first thing she does, now once again, Elisha representing God, right? He falls at his feet. Basically, the first thing she does is she actually falls down and she worships. She worships. God has given her the breakthrough. She falls down, she worships, and she gives thanks, right? And she, then she walks on in and she takes her son. Huh. She goes back to her life with the promise and the breakthrough of God intact in good relationship with God and with the man of God and everyone in her home. So often, more than once a day, like on a daily basis, we get... We get kinder surprises. It's got a special lolly that's gotten, it's already been started for me. I got it started. And a penguin. Just a little routine we prepared a bit earlier. <laughs> this is just flowing. It's like it's like a river. Just it's like poetry. Oh, do you want it back? You can finish that lolly for me. Oh, where was I? Okay. That's right. So on a daily basis, right, we have an opportunity to make a decision that can take us down two very different paths. When it comes to our Christian walk, when it comes to our Christian life, right, we get to choose how we are going to react to circumstances all of the time that take us down two very different paths of outcome. She had the opportunity when her son died, right, to get bitter, right, to take offense, to start to build up hatred in her heart for Elisha, 
you know, the kind of bitterness where, you, where she could have started having arguments with him in the shower, just imaginary arguments, you know, and she's arguing, arguing, you know, you know with, with him and imagining what he's going to say and she's getting more and more angry about what she's imagined he's going to say and by the time a couple of weeks goes by and she's had all of these arguments with him in her head about why the breakthrough didn't come and he's a bad prophet, etc., etc., suddenly she's full of bitterness and offense has taken root in her heart and all of her friends and everyone around her outside when they've gone, what's gone, what happened to your son? It's, well, he died. That prophet, that man of God, he promised and it didn't happen. He's a false prophet. Don't listen to anyone he said. You come from Elijah. Right? And before you know it, this poisonous, bitter root has started to spread through her whole village. Everyone's starting to go, yeah, I don't think I like that Elisha guy so much either. God can't even take care of a son that he gave her. That's it. We're not going to church anymore. Hmm. Those Baal guys seem to be having fun. We're playing with the big boys now. Right? (laughs) Right? Um, That's from the Prince of Egypt. Um, Or is it Joseph? Prince of Egypt, Prince of Egypt, Moses, yeah. Right? Do you hear what I'm saying? And she had that opportunity in her heart to respond in a certain way, to let offense come in. And before you know it, she's poisoned the whole village and nobody goes to church for the next 20 years. Their kids grow up, they don't go to church, they don't really know about Jesus or because of some offense that she took because the breakthrough was momentarily stolen from her and all of a sudden... The course of all her generations in the village has been completely changed. Right? But instead, to her credit, she goes, It is well. It is well. Get me a donkey and let's go run as fast as you can on your donkey. Right? Right? She rode in on a donkey. (laughs) I'm just having, it's fun in my head up here. It's like, I wish, I can't wait for Apple to bring out like iBrain, you know, where you can just project that up on here. It'd be so much more entertaining. Hang on, here's what I saw. You know, everyone used to say, I read this on Facebook a little while ago, everyone used to say, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if you could read other people's thoughts? And then they released Facebook. And, and now I don't really want to know everyone's thoughts because it's all right there and mostly it's not, it's not fun. So instead of going down this path of bitterness and offense and taking out her family, she runs hard after God. Right, even to his servant, she says, it is well, it's well, it's okay, it's all going to be all right. And then she throws herself at the feet of God. 
says, man, this sucks. This hurts. This, man, God, you said, you said, I've been, I've been in that place. I've been in that place. You know, most of you know, we had a season in the middle of all of this where, where Jody was really, really, really sick. Couldn't leave the house. Very, very sick. You know, emergency surgeries and a whole bunch of stuff. And I was down, I was actually lining up at a, like to get a food basket thing at this place because we had no ministry going on we had no money coming in all of a sudden everything kind of dried up the brook dried up the whole bit and I'm at a food bank place this is after I've been flying around the world ministering at big conferences and all the bits and all of a sudden I'm at this food bank and I'm in the car afterwards driving home and I'm crying I'm like God This is what I said. I said, God, a freaking angel stood on my bed. I didn't expect to be here getting a food basket. You'd call us to feed the world, and here I am lining up. A freaking angel. That's what I said. I'm just being honest with you. Pretty sure it's not a swear word in some places. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been, you know? I'm like, man, we have got nothing. But God, this is what you promised. This is what you did. This is what you said. You know, twice during that season, I had to fly home from America. I was ministering in America. And Jody was being rushed into emergency surgery with her life on the line. And I had to cut my trip get on a plane and fly straight home, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. After that angel food bank type story, you know, it was about a year later that we did a tour in America and we blazed right across the United States for weeks and weeks and Jody had a phenomenal prophetic word for the nation that she released in every meeting that we did, almost every meeting. Phenomenal word. And we watched meeting night after night with men, American blokes, crying. Right? And at that point, I went, suck on that, devil. Right? (laughs) God is so good. God is so good. So we constantly have this choice, right? When, when it doesn't look like the breakthrough has come or the thing that has been the breakthrough is then suddenly looks like it's dead, we have a choice on which way we're going to go. And sometimes we can have those choices daily, right? If you are looking for a reason to leave church or leave a church, or there's a thousand I can give you right now. None of them have anything to do with me, but (laughs) 
there's always opportunity to take offense. There's always opportunity to be hurt. There's always opportunity. We're faced with these forks in the road, right? Which way are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the path that leads in resurrection life and God being glorified and the village and your family actually being saved and their eternity being affected forever? Or are you going to make the decision that's going to miss all of that and end up leading your village, your family? Who, who lives in a village? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a retirement village. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Do you hear me? Do you hear what we're saying here, right? I know, that, I know that all of us in this room, if you've been a Christian more than five minutes, have probably faced those forks and you've taken the other path, right? I've done it, right? I've done that. And it takes people out. And it hurts, right? And there's consequences. I know that there's family members all around the world of people who make those decisions who are no longer actually following the Lord because someone in their family made that decision to take offense and to take the, let the bitterness take root, etc., etc., right? But God is so good. God is so, so good. He takes our little deviations and when we come back to him, we throw himself at his feet again and he takes the path that was going to be, he makes a new one and it was even better than the first one, right? Because he's so, so good. But guess what? These opportunities, that we're all going to be faced with them again. Probably tonight, like, I hated that sermon. <laughs> I hated that message. Okay, now on to my sermon. (laughs) No. Uh, this might be a series, actually. <laughs> I've, got, I've still got a whole other message here, but I'm not going to carry on. It's all part of this. I mean, it's not like totally different. I'm going to bring it to a close. You guys finished? (laughs) All right. Thank you, Jesus. We are so structured and line upon line. Why don't we just stand tonight? Oh, thank God. Oh, he's finished. Have a quick stretch.
take the most of this intermission. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I will say this, right? <laughs> this is a real typical preacher stuff. Okay, stand up so that you can stand for the last 15 minutes of my message. No, I will say this. The, the, the other stuff I was going to talk about, which I think I will talk about next week, comes back to the, the parable of the seeds, right, and sowing the soil. And one of the keys to keeping your breakthrough is making sure that the soil of your heart is healthy and in a good place. Right? And one of the things you need to do is to make sure that there's no big rocks in that soil. Basically, that when the seed of breakthrough comes in and the promise comes in, it's not just going to hit one of those big rocks and bounce off. But one of the biggest rocks in there is actually bitterness, offense, hurt. Right? They're big rocks in the garden of our heart, the soil, that we need to just actually give them to God. And say, God, I want to be good soil. I want to be soil where your promise takes root. The revelation that you bring takes root, can go deep down into my heart. That when the water comes, it's actually going to nourish that seed. It's not actually just going to wash it off the rocks that are in there. Right? So I just want to give, I think this is a a great opportunity just to respond. Huh. Let's just all do it where we are. Let's just respond right now, just from where we are, and let's just we'll just pray together, yeah? Hmm. First of all, Father, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would just shine light on any rocks that we have in the soil of our heart, any rocks of offense, any rocks of bitterness and disappointment, anything that is a rock in the garden of our heart that might be stopping our hearts from being fertile soil for your word, for your promise, for your truth to take root. Would you just shine your light on those things for a moment? just now we're just going to ask God we're just going to give them up to him and in the process of doing that we're just going to ask him to help us to do that and I'm going to pray that he would just come and fill that gap that's been left when those rocks are come out so Holy Spirit we thank you for shining light on those things in our heart we just ask right now that you would just help us just to take these rocks and give them up to you. We just want to give them to you right now. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just release that healing balm, that healing salve from heaven, and just come and fill those places, those hurts, those wounds. God, just release that healing oil on those areas of our heart that need it tonight. And we just give these things up to you. We just renounce together right now any partnership that we've made with these rocks. Any partnership with bitterness, Father, we just renounce it and we ask you to forgive us for that partnership. Any partnership with offense, 
God, we just renounce it. We just renounce it and we ask you to forgive us for it. We give it all up to you. Any areas that we've sinned as a result of these things, we just confess it to you and we just ask you to forgive us, God. And we just choose tonight, we just choose tonight to stop walking on those same pathways. Holy Spirit, just come and comfort those who need comfort right now. Come and lead us, guide us, lead us into all truth. Teach us, counsel us just now. Thank you, Jesus. And God, I just thank you for Ezekiel 36 that says that you've taken my heart of stone and given me a new heart of flesh. We thank you for that heart of flesh, for good soil right now. Just release that water, that water of your presence that makes our hearts good soil right now. Hearts of flesh. Ha. And Father, we thank you for all the breakthrough that we've all experienced recently, God, in the past month, God, the things that you've done, the revelation, the truth, God. And we just ask that you would come and water those seeds, that they would just be like fresh topsoil, huh, rich in nutrients in our hearts. And you'd allow that breakthrough just to take deep root right now, spring forth shoot up and bud and blossom, bear much fruit in our lives and in the lives of our families and in our church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, and I just release that oil of your presence right now in a fresh way. We thank you for your glory, God. We thank you for your glory. Whoa. Hmm. Jesus. Ah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.